It's time to take a ride on the Steelers Afternoon Drive with our co-hosts, Alan Saunders and Zachary Smith. Welcome into another set of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. That is Alan Saunders. Alan giving us a very scenic background today. Very gracious of you. Where, where are you at right now? I'm in Washington Square Park in Mobile, uh, which is just okay. down the street from where we're staying here for the Senior Bowl. And uh, mm. I kind of thought I would take this opportunity to just kind of like show you guys around. It is a absolutely yeah. beautiful place. Um, this is just yeah. a little square park, but I don't know how much of the buildings you can see behind me, but it's very um, the kind of old south feel, um, you know, a lot of like buildings with columns and, and it's, it's really, it's, it's quite beautiful. It's very scenic. This is about maybe two blocks from the, uh, maybe three blocks from the Mardi Gras parade route, which will be mm. starting, I believe, tonight. Um, they, oh. they go, they go hard for Mardi Gras here. So um, yep. if I can get this set back up somewhere stable, there we go. Um, <laughs> maybe, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm. I really like it here in Mobile, man. It's, it's a great city. It's a great time, and I've really enjoyed my stay. So I thought I would just give them little love here uh on the channel yeah we appreciate that where does it rank for you in terms of your underrated places because i agree mobile's awesome it's one of the most underrated places in the country i've literally never heard of anyone being like oh i went to mobile alabama and it was great well first of all just like i went to mobile i get you would never think that um it's mm -hmm. it's beautiful it's wonderful the people are great the food oh my god i just keep eating uh i had ribs <laughs> for lunch today it was amazing um so next week you will see me in the podcast on a treadmill actually this is what's, what's gonna have to happen uh after this week uh here in mobile but no it's um the weather's beautiful here i don't know what it's like at home but it's about 65 degrees and sunny right now uh february 2nd uh i saw i woke up this morning to a bunch of people talking about the groundhog and i'm like yeah yeah mm -hmm. spring um it's, it's like been here i don't know what y'all talking about yeah, no precipitation here, but that's all I'll give it in terms of any credit for the weather that we got going on right now. Um, Alan, every time that I look at myself on camera, I'm reminded that Arthur Smith is the offensive coordinator of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, have you gotten made... any bull What has been the reaction in your life to the mustache? Like, are people telling uh, you that it looks good? Are they telling you you're an idiot? What What has been the feedback? <laughs> People are telling me I'm an idiot in my daily life regardless, but it has nothing to do with my facial hair. Uh, no, surprisingly, the only people that have I've gotten negative reaction from are my niece and nephew um, because okay. they're just they, they would poke fun at regardless what I got going on. But uh, yeah, Jackson, my nephew, calls me beardless man and just like points and laughs. And then Amelia would just say that she doesn't like it. and She wants the beard back. So that's that's the extent of that on the negative side i'm surprised there hasn't been more negative reaction but a lot of people seem to dig it a lot of people were tagging me in the picture the steelers put up of arthur smith today saying can we do, do a side by side do people like in your like have they did they know what you were doing or are they just like operating mm. under the assumption that you think that no. looks good yeah i, I think so because like i walked up the first time that my mom saw it she was just like oh wow why and I was like, oh, the Steelers hired Arthur Smith. And then she made it seem like that was completely normal of me to do. Like, so, yeah. <laughs> Bless her. Bless her. Uh, yeah. 
But Alan, I want to talk about Arthur Smith it, more here today because they made this move official today and basically coincided. So I'm sitting there getting a tattoo finished and I have my <coughs> phone in my hand and I open up Twitter X, whatever you want to call it at this point in time in 2024 and see that the Steelers made this move official at the same time that I see Adam Schefter post that this New Orleans Saints are working to hire Clint Kubiak following the Super Bowl as their offensive coordinator, which then we got Steelers fans once again, just restart the conversation about everybody that wanted Clint Kubiak. But then I saw you post about Saints fans being upset about Clint Kubiak being the offensive coordinator. Like, and you said this before, I completely agree. No one is happy with whoever their offensive coordinator is. And I think the Saints fans have a very similar situation where I think a lot of Saints fans don't like Dennis Allen and don't think he's very good. Mm. And so mm. I, I think a lot of the sentiment that was negative in response to Arthur Smith being hired is mostly just people that didn't want Mike Tomlin to be back and decided that they were going to hate whoever he hired because he hired them. Like the fact that Mike Tomlin picked this guy was then an indictment of this guy, no matter who it was for some people. And I think the Saints probably mm. uh, have some of the same stuff going on there. Um, but yeah, it's uh, everybody hates their offensive coordinator. Uh, but honestly, you know, I, I don't think that um, you know, are, are these guys going to be compared going forward. I don't know. We'll see. You know, very different kinds of offenses, very different play, very different guys. But um, I, I think uh, I, I think it's pretty clear that the Saints' head start on Kubiak was significant, and that the Steelers mm. were going to struggle to make up that ground. I mean. This report is coming out today. The Steelers can't talk to Kubiak until Monday. Like that, that's that's tough. I don't really see how you know, a week from Monday. Sorry, I, I don't really see how if the Saints are still talking to Kubiak and they're close to a deal right now that the Steelers would have been able to change that a week and a half from now. Like it just seems like because the Saints had that head start, the Steelers were still playing the playoff game, which got delayed by a day. Mm-hmm. That. I, I don't think that they were able to make up from that. And then, you know, combined with the reports that there were other teams that were really interested in Arthur Smith and that he was ready to fly to Tampa to go interview for that job, who, by the way, um, they hired someone that I think is clearly an inferior candidate to Arthur Smith. And whether you like Arthur Smith or not, I mean, look around at some of the guys that got offensive coordinator jobs this year. I mean, and compare his resume to theirs. It is. Yeah. It is, well, the Liam you know, Cohen hire almost feels like that was specifically for Baker. You know, because yeah. they were in L.A. together. for, And then Baker basically coming out and saying yesterday, like him and his agent were waiting to see who the O.C. hired was before even like negotiating with them. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. But, I, yeah. you know, I just think there's, you know, Arthur Smith has a good resume. And when you compare it to a lot of the other people that have been hired as offensive coordinators, John Idzik, like, what? I, can't, I, I don't know. Like, there, there's been a number of, to me, just head scratching hires. Um, like Alex Van Pelt in, in New England. Like, I I mean, he's the guy we talked about, it, like, that I thought the Steelers might interview. But, you know, I, I was thinking about him more as like a passing game coordinator type than an actual OC. Um, I think the Steelers got a pretty good one compared to what was out there. Did they get the very best one? No, but I, I don't think they could have overcome their the Saints head start for Kubiak based on what we're hearing now. And I guess we'll see if Eric Bieniemy becomes actually available or not. I, the commanders still don't seem like they know what they're doing. Dan Quinn looks like he's going to be the guy, but I, I haven't heard anything definitive about Bieniemy and that offense and what happens. And you know, if the Steelers are still waiting to see, they probably lose out on Arthur Smith at this point. 
And I want to ask you a follow-up question based off that. Something that just popped in my mind was, so, you know, you're talking about having teams having head starts. Are you okay with the way that the system is in terms of that interviewing process, like teams having head starts and teams being behind the eight ball just because they made the playoffs? The part of it that I don't like is that it disadvantages the coaches that go deep into the playoffs. Um, yeah. I'm okay with teams that don't make the playoffs getting a head start in the coaching search process. I think that's that's yeah. one. Of the I, yeah, I meant as a whole. So yeah, still be, like that's yeah. one of the benefits of being bad. I think the Saints deserve to get a head start on the Steelers in the coaching search process. They were a worse team. Like they they should get to go to the front of the line. I'm okay with that. I, I don't like the way that like Clint Kubiak is being disadvantaged, right? If he had been available mm-hmm. at the same time as all the other candidates, he, I mean, we talked about how rare that leverage is in this position and the guys really don't turn down jobs because they're not usually offered in that type of way. Well, I think maybe a different system actually would give some of these coaches that kind of leverage where they could pick a job that they thought uh, was best suited for them and, and that kind of thing. But I mean, his options at this point are going to be go to the Saints or stay in San Francisco. Like he's going to get to the very end of the process and that's all he's going to have left. Maybe he likes the Saints and, and that's fine with him. But I think it I think it kind of screws over those guys. Uh, and I don't really know that I have like a perfect solution that, that makes everything better. And, yeah. you know, before they had the rules differently and coaches couldn't hire before the Super Bowl, everyone just tampered with everybody. And so, I, you know, I don't know how you enforce the phone conversations of thousands and thousands of people. Like it's it's it just becomes impossible at some point. Yeah, I, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, I'm not sure that it's a great system right now, but I don't know how to improve it. It's almost like my view on like politics, right? Like, I have no idea what solutions are but I don't like the way things are. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Let's vote out Goodell. Let, that was, that's a very popular <laughs> platform, right? Like we could, there we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alan, anything else on the OC stuff before I, we got a lot of people that wanted to know about specific players that are down on the senior board. We didn't touch on a couple positions either. So when they get into you know, some of that, but one thing I'm interested to watch to moving forward about the OC stuff is just whether what the Steelers are going to do with the rest of their offensive coaching staff. That was not part yeah. of today's announcement. Is Mike Sullivan going to be back? Are they going to add like a passing game coordinator type? Uh, you know, Mike Sullivan interviewed for the Saints, so it doesn't look like he's going to get that job. In addition to not getting the Raiders job, which was announced last night, they went with Cliff Kingsbury, who was another guy that was a potential mm-hmm. pass game coordinator option. So was Liam Cohen. So was uh, Alex Van Pelt. So. Uh, those guys are kind of flying off the shelf right now. I, we'll see where things land. Um, so I'm interested to see that. And also with the head coaches' jobs all being filled and Mike Vrabel still being out there with Arthur Smith here in Pittsburgh and the Steelers having had that role in the past and I think really thrived with someone in that role in the past and getting uh, Brian Flores right back to a coordinator position when he did that last time. Man, my vision for like utilizing Mike Tomlin's popularity as like a Nick Saban-esque coaching rehab while also benefiting the Steelers seems like it could really work right now this offseason with a guy like Mike Rabel. Absolutely. I mean, I, I so I replied to somebody on Twitter saying that I'm going to keep beating the drum until he gets hired somewhere else. Just I, I literally I quoted Adam Schefter and said, "Welcome to Pittsburgh." senior defensive assistant Mike Rabel. and everybody was like, "Wait, are you actually hearing something?" I was like, "No, but I'm just going to keep saying this until somebody else hires him." Why wouldn't you? And I mean, there aren't that many good jobs open right now. So, what's what's a better place than to come back to the place that uh, you got your pro football career started? It's you know, it's a good town, somewhere he's familiar with. 
Uh, he helped the Steelers get in the playoffs, so you know, they're very comfortable paying him back a little bit for that favor, and we'll get to work with a guy like Art Smith that he's known for a long time and maybe help him uh, help his career along the way too. If he, ha- you know, with a really good defense would certainly help Art's offense. Ah, I don't know. I see a lot of things to like about that. And man, I and we talked about Arthur Smith being a former head coach, being a potential benefit to Mike Tomlin. Holy mm-hmm. heck, if it's Arthur Smith and Mike Vrabel, like, yeah, absolutely, three former head coaches on one staff. And then, hey, you know, I know that it's kind of been—I feel like some water's been thrown on the fire here with the whole Mike Munchak thing. But I don't I have mean, any inside info here. I am skeptical that he would want to do it as a yeah. like full-time position coach. But you might be able to get him in as like an analyst or consultant or whatever you want to call it. Where, okay. you know, like something that, like the Grudens are doing right now, or or like what Tom Moore does in Tampa Bay. How about that? Okay. As like a yeah. as as a as a comparison, you know, where he's on the staff doesn't necessarily have like an everyday, you know, uh, grind kind of role, but you, he's just a guy mm-hmm. you keep around to lean on for advice and that kind of thing. I think something like that could be possible. Yeah, and I think that that would still be fully okay with Steelers fans. One, they wouldn't even understand what the heck he was actually doing on a regular basis, but his name would just be within the organization. I think that would be palatable for them. So absolutely. Maybe he could fix Mason Cole's snapping issues. That would be like enough. <laughs> it's right there to sell me on the move. Yeah. Uh, Alan, you mentioned <clears throat> about starting careers like Mike Rabel did in Pittsburgh. A lot of kids that you've been around this week are starting their careers in mobile launch pad into the NFL. And there was two positions we haven't talked about yet. I've mentioned in the past, I believe to you, if not, it was for sure on the episode where Nick was on with me. Safety is a position where I'm more so circling for free agency as opposed to the draft, just because I really like the free agent class more so than the draft class coming in. Not to say there aren't some intriguing players down there, but what have you seen from the safety class that's been in Mobile? Is there a guy that you think fits what the Steelers are looking for next to Minka Fitzpatrick? Because, you know, there's a very good chance that you look at that safety room could just be Minka Fitzpatrick back next year from the guys that we saw this year. I don't think it'll be that drastic. I expect Demonte Casey to be back because of his versatility and the way they like to use the three safeties. I think if they can upgrade on Keanu Neal in terms of a box safety, that's something that is probably more of a free agency job. I don't see a lot of just big hulking safeties in this draft class that like, I would think that you could pencil into that role. Uh, The one place I do think this draft is really good at is in terms of uh, guys that are center field safeties, guys that are half field safeties and guys that are, like hybrid safety slot corners that can kind of do a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. I wrote about one of those today on the site and the video interview I did with him is one video up here on the YouTube channel. And that's Tyke Smith from Georgia. He spent the last three years in Georgia. One was hurt. And then, but the two years before that he was in West Virginia. Um, I dude, like he just fits every box. He is short. He's five, nine. Okay. He's not a big guy. He blitzes Mm -hmm. like Mike Hilton. He plays the run. He is extremely fast. He's 205 pounds. He's 5'9", 205. When Mike Hilton came out of Old Miss, he was 5'8", 175. This guy runs well and is 30 pounds thicker than Mike Hilton, who was not a small defensive back. Um, I think he really looks to me like the prototype for finally replacing a Mike Hilton and also, mm. you know, being able to do like he can go play half field. So when they put a guy like that in, you know, is it a is it a traditional nickel? Is it the three safety nickel? Where's Minka Fitzpatrick going to be? You can still give some of those question mark looks that they like out of the three safety thing, even with a guy that's a more traditional slot corner because he has that versatility. He played free safety all this whole week 
uh, because they don't really play with a nickel all the time. And, uh, and, and he looked really good at it. And he's played outside corner. He's too short to do that in the NFL. But he's got good coverage skills. And, and he's a third or fourth round pick. So I think he's really good. Bo Braid from Maryland, I think I can say most of the same things about. I talked to Bo. I haven't written this story yet. Um, but Bo is from Maryland, grew up in Maryland, grew up a Baltimore Ravens fan. Uh, obviously, you know, he's a guy that idolized uh... Ed Reed. Okay. And <laughs> then he tells me in this interview that uh, as he gets older and that he started to appreciate football a little more instead of just being a fan, he started to like Troy Polamalu. Okay. Bit more. All right. And, All right. And right now, his favorite yeah. player in the NFL is Minka Fitzpatrick. Okay. All uh, right. You- I like how you so, told that too, because you brought me all the way around so, on him. So <laughs> uh, he also uh, friends with uh, you know Dino Tomlin from his time at Maryland, not like necessarily super close, but you know got to meet him and and has a previous relationship with with Mike Tomlin. So I think everyone is friends with Dino. I, I've yet to meet anyone <laughs> that has ever played with Dino that is not friends with Dino. I think he's just one of those guys, and it's easy to envision uh, Mike's son being like that, but. Uh, Bo Braid is a guy I really like, too, and I think he's probably a day three pick. Tyke Smith has been bouncing around a lot, all the way from, like, way high to the second round to maybe down to the fifth. I think, for me, he's, like, an end of day two, beginning of day three guy, third or fourth round. I think Braid is probably more like fifth or sixth round or or maybe that fourth fourth or fifth round area. But there are a lot of guys like that I like here, man. That's just two I named, like, Javon Bullard from Georgia, Malik Mustafa from uh, Wake Forest, Simpson from Auburn, Cam Kitchens from Miami, like there's a lot of safeties here that are really good. And I think it's a really deep safety class. I don't think these are guys that are going to go in the first round for the most part. I I think we both expect the Steelers to be offensive line heavy. And if they go defensive back early, it's going to be outside corner. But I think in the the third round, fourth round, fifth round, sixth round range, and the Steelers have two fourth round picks, um, safety feels like a a, a need, a fit, and you can – you know, whether it's safety, whether it's slot corner, sometimes the guys both, but somewhere in there, I think is a, is a good player for them in this defense. Uh, somebody asked me about this and not that, you know, we're talking that senior bowl here, but just exclusively looking at the class two in the slot corner position, we were talking about safety slot there, but when you're looking at corner slot options as well, Mike Sanger still at Michigan was somebody that somebody brought up to me. I put up a little clip about clipped uh, some, some stuff together from the college football playoffs and stuff. What are your thoughts on him as a player? Just because somebody asked me specifically about him. Yeah. So he's injured. That's why he's not here. I guess he got banged up. Um, I don't know if it happened in the national championship game or if it happened in the the aftermath, these guys go straight from playing football to training for the combine and it's very different kind of exercise. And there's an awful lot of like, Oh, pulled hamstring, you know, pulled groin kind of thing in that time frame that that sometimes prevents guys from getting in here. So I'm not sure exactly what happened with him. He was one of the guys that was the most excited to see. I think he's a really interesting athlete. He hits hard for his size. Um, But I mean, yeah, I, I would put him in that conversation. I think he's probably, in the third round range right now, we'll see, you know, as things go forward, all these DBs, it will be very, very important how they run when we get to the combine. That is a make or break number for a defensive back. And so, um, you know, very TBD on the order of these guys until we get there. I'm just talking about where they're basically kind of considered right now, but uh, that can change mm-hmm. a lot. And uh, it will, depending on how guys perform over the next couple months. Uh, I promised Chandler here who asked us on YouTube to get your thoughts on Utah safety Cole Bishop uh, because he's a Utah fan himself and he intrigues him as a possible pick for the Steelers. How has he looked? Do you think that he would make sense as a possible sidekick to Minka? Yeah, I like Cole a lot. I talked to him after practice on the first day 
Um, and I talked to him about his physicality. I think it's, you know, he's one of these guys that gets moving in a direction and he hits things hard. I think that's something that very Steelers trait, like not to say that he's like absolutely going to be the same kind of player, but like, I just see a little bit of Ryan Clark in his game. Like, you know, he's a taller guy, a little bit lanky. He runs with that sort of like very uh, forward leaning, like I'm just ready to hit something all the time kind of posture. And it's actually funny because in the senior bowl, you know, you're not trying to like, make Ryan Clark hits here, right? Like, you're not, you're not trying to hurt anybody. Uh, but in fact, all during practice, you're practicing against the guys that are going to be on your team in the game at the end of the week. So you really don't want to go, like, blowing up your teammates. But I can just kind of see that he was one of those guys that was a little bit like, like you know, kind of like, God, just let me hit one of them one time. Like, And I think um, if you know anything about Utah, their defenses have a, a, a historic uh, tendency to be very physical. And I think he lives up to that. He's not the biggest guy in the world. So maybe if I have a, a caution about Cole Bishop, it's like how well his body is going to hold up to that playing style um, because he is a little mm-hmm. bit reckless and, and he's not, you know, he, he's not um, Terrell Edmonds, right? Where like you could just be like, that guy could hit anything. Um, he's a little bit of a smaller guy. So we'll see. And uh, since you bring up Utah, Sione Vaki is one of the most intriguing guys here. Played running back and safety at Utah. He's been working as a safety here. I can't say he's like stood out in a like an incredible way in terms of just his like technical defensive back prowess, but the athlete mm-hmm. is extremely intriguing. I think you may have an incredible special teamer if you get your hands on him, and then maybe you can turn him into something else down the down the way. I don't know. I'm very very intrigued by him as well. Yeah, and then the other player was a linebacker. So we're gonna talk about this line. I want to ask you about the linebackers that were down there as well. If there was anybody that made sense for the Steelers, although I guess I should bring up the player first, because then if you end up covering them, then I don't want to, have to come back to the question. Because Berg Sports fan just said, "Talk to me about Cedric Gray." Cedric Gray is interesting. Not a guy that I had like a lot of expectations for coming in. You know, I obviously covered Pitt, and so I'm familiar with I mean, most of the ACC players, and so I kind of knew what he was all about, and just in terms of. Uh, you know, kind of a coverage linebacker, not like the biggest guy in the world. It seems to fit with the mm-hmm. Steelers' you know, general mold, like a you know, kind of Quan Alexander type of body, right? And so, um, I thought he was really good in coverage, man, especially in like difficult for linebacker situations, like coming forward and then a, you know the running back like comes out slow and then darts hard and flat. Like you see a lot of bigger linebackers or lankier linebackers have difficulty with those change of directions, and I thought he looked really good. Uh, pretty short tackler. He's not like a guy that hits so hard that it just like makes you, you know, uh, g- g- doesn't get your attention that way. Like it, maybe that's like what separates him from a guy like Quan Alexander that can really, really wallop you. Yeah. I think he's more of just a um, a stable tackler than like a than a than a hitter. Um, but he seems like a sure tackler, and he's a guy that I think is on the radar. You know, maybe if I was to give it like a Steelers player comp that maybe somebody might be familiar with, how about like a Larry Foot? Um, you know, like just like a very like solid, yeah. good coverage, good tackler, not necessarily like the world's most violent guy. Didn't see a lot from him in pass rush, but just seemed like a guy that could cover up a lot as a linebacker. Gotcha. When the, and the guy that I want to know about, we can talk about this class as a whole, but me specifically, I had to ask you about Peyton Wilson because that's my guy that's Dude. I really like watching Peyton Wilson. I really like getting to talk to Peyton Wilson. And I have a really good story with Peyton Wilson, but I'm not going to give it away Beautiful. here. You just got to wait for it. You got to wait for okay. it. Uh, but he does not look like any other linebacker I've ever seen. He mm-hmm. 
he looks like if a defensive end uh, quit football and decided to play soccer instead. Like he's six <laughs> five, he has yeah. long arms. Like he 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 looks like he should have been T.J. Watt, and then he just runs for days. Um, and he's still you know, two thirty five, two thirty nine. He was literally talking to me about like, well, I played at two thirty five, and then I didn't feel as good, so then I went up to two thirty eight, and now I'm I feel really good. I'm at two thirty nine right now, but I'll get back to two thirty eight. I'm like, just in on. I'm like, four pounds like that. I don't even I don't even notice four pounds coming and going like that's that's yeah basically like it's not even here you know uh, so he, uh, a scientist about his physique uh, he looks that he's not like he's lanky because he's so tall uh, and and you know that weight he really looks like a skinny guy uh, but he still hits hard because he is so fast I think he's very powerful uh, you know and. He covers really well, man. He is very fast, straight line. If you need a guy to run down the field, down the seam with a tight end, like the guy who should have been covering Dalton Kincaid, that's the guy. Like that's exactly like if you're if you're if you're specifically drafting to fix that problem, Peyton Wilson is that solution. I don't know about like shedding guards. They don't do a lot of that kind of thing here. I think now he does have nice long arms, but I just wonder about his like overall strength. Um, but like great to the flat, uh, good zone defender and man-to-man defender, really smart, played middle linebacker here, was calling all the plays with the uh, green dot in his helmet and said, you know, he really was, like, loving doing that. And it was like, he's like, as a kind of football nerd, like, I, I was kind of in my element. He goes, I'm playing Madden with real people over here, you know? Like, and and uh, I, I think it was uh, a great conversation. I, I'm really intrigued by him as a player. I don't know how the league is going to look at him because he just does not look like other guys. I can't even yeah. give you like a real player comp that I feel good about. Like I just, I don't know. They don't build them like that. And so I think on one hand, uh, unique can be really good, but sometimes unique can be scary for teams. And so I don't know what that is going to mean for his value, whether teams are going to, see what I'm seeing and see this piece that could be extremely useful for a pass defense, especially, or if they're going to go like, well, he doesn't look like anybody I know that's been successful. So how do I know he's going to be successful and then assign more risk to him as a player? Uh, I I think I've seen him in the fifth round. Some, I would be comfortable with him there, but I don't know exactly where he's going to go. He's in, uh, he's in Daniel Jeremiah's top 50. I know there's a very wide like very wide uh, discrepancy about him. And I think it is just yeah. because he is so unique. There's not a blueprint already. Yeah. Um, I, I do have one, but it's very old and the player didn't turn out to be very good, but you have to remember the NFL is quite different. Also another guy that I think if you get him would be an elite, elite special teams player right away. I mean, day one, I'd love to see that guy cover kickoffs. Holy heck. So when you look at the makeup right now of the Steelers linebacker room, and we don't actually know, like, we don't know if Quan Alexander's going to be back. You know, Cole Holcomb coming back from the injury that he is. Alain Roberts will be back. You know, you got Mark Robinson, obviously, the guys they brought in at the end of the year, if any of them will be back. Like, very much in limbo what's going to happen in this room. Is there a guy down there that you're like, yep, this guy could make sense in the Steelers linebacking group next year? I think Peyton Wilson is the one that I really do think makes sense. Okay. Uh, you know, I right. – not to say that it won't happen or that it couldn't happen, but I think right now I would operate under the assumption that Quan Alexander won't be back. Um, okay. You know, it's hard to sign one year guys to one year contracts and 
that have significant injury history. You lose them and then you don't get to replace them and it's tough. Um, I, I just don't know. I don't know what they're going to want to do there, but I, you know, Holcomb mm-hmm. is going to be healthy. E-Rob will be healthy. I think those are the starters. And then, you know, Mark Robinson will be back. I thought he played better towards the end of the year. I think he will be in a better position to contribute if they need him to. But I really think the thing that's missing is a, is a true coverage linebacker, somebody that can go do some different things. You know, when they're playing these teams that don't really want to run the ball, you know, I think E-Rob and Cole Holcomb are great for the Ravens and the Browns, but I'm not sure they're the best for Dalton Kincaid, right? I'm not sure they're the best for, um, you know, even though the 49ers do run a lot, George Kittle, right? Uh, you know, and I, and I think um, having somebody like that is really a weakness, and I think Peyton Wilson is a guy that can fill that role. There are some other guys. Uh, the second of the two teams, I really dislike their practice format. I feel like I didn't get to see any of them. There were a couple yeah, linebackers on that squad that I that I, I wanted to see, but um, I I think that th- there's also you know Jeremiah Trotter from Clemson is not here. Um, sure. Is sort of the top linebacker in terms of like if you wanted to get a guy that, that would shore up the position long term, you know Roberts and Holcomb one and two years left on their deals. If you wanted to get a guy that's like, okay, here's the future of the position and, and we'll lock it up for a couple of years, I think that's the move. I'm not sure there's more than one or two of those, though. It doesn't seem like it's a very deep linebacker class to me. Yeah, I, I would agree. And and maybe that is the answer to the next the last question that I wanted to ask you just about the senior bull as a whole, kind of wrapping things up here. What is your, you know, overwhelming takeaway from the senior bull? Like I'm not asking about the draft class specifically, but I just wanted about the senior bull right now. We're talking about the draft down the line. Like, do you think that the people were there that the Steelers got a good look at kind of fit what they needed? Or like how do you think that the class that was down there kind of went along with what the Steelers' needs are? I think it was exactly what I expected it to be. I think it was a lot of offensive linemen. The offensive linemen here were great. In fact, there were some guys that I didn't necessarily think were that good coming in that I feel better about now. So I think Mm. uh, it's a very deep offensive line class, especially at tackle and center, which are the Steelers' needs. I feel even more sure than before that I think we're going to see, you know, probably two of their top three picks be offensive line at tackle and center. And I think they're going to have good players there because I I really like this group – of linemen that was here. There's obviously the top two tackles that weren't here. Uh, it's it's a very strong offensive line group from, from Mobile, and I think a lot of those guys made themselves uh, a lot of headway. And, you know, very interestingly, um, and, and I'm curious about this because, you know, I didn't really pay much attention because I know it's not a need. You know, like the Steelers only have like three positions that I could basically just cross off from the very beginning, and that was, uh, you know, really running back and edge rusher and and kicker, you know, like pretty much everybody else was on, you know, an option. And yeah, they could probably use like a, a late round guy at either of those positions. But I, I don't think the edge rushers here were very good. And I, I don't think anybody really jumped out. I mean, uh, the uh, the guy from USC is, is a really good player, and he's going to go in the first round. But I thought these tackles handled them very well. And so, um, mm-hmm. if you're a team that's looking for an edge rusher, I don't think you found what you were looking for. But the good news for the Steelers is, you know, they they weren't really looking. And so I think. I think this class well, same, line. Same with tight end, right? We didn't really talk about tight end either. Yeah, Theo Johnson uh, from Penn State had, had a nice week. Brevin Spanford from okay. Minnesota. Um, you know, there, there are a couple guys that I thought showed. Like Theo looks like a guy that was maybe a little underutilized at Penn State just based on I would like, say so. the way, the way yeah. he was, was like a, his athletic profile. I think he probably could have done more. Um, mm-hmm. He really looks the part, man. I mean, he, he looks like Travis Kelsey out there. Like – not in terms of like maybe the explosiveness as a runner, but just like the athleticism and the 
Um, he, he's a good player. I think he, you know, I, I just don't know that tight end is a need for the Steelers. Yeah. Steelers, I, I, yeah, I mean, they don't really need a tight end, so I, I don't know what they're going to do if they're going to try to add one, but I wasn't really mm-hmm. watching them that close either. But I thought this was a solid tight end group too. You know, the additions of the juniors, I think, um, didn't really change a lot for me. I, you know, I thought it was a good move by the NFL mm-hmm. to do it, even though it kind of bucks tradition. Um, but the one thing I heard a lot this week is that it really it pushed some guys out at the bottom, and uh, the it, yeah. that combined with like NIL now meaning like fewer juniors than ever uh, coming into the draft process. I think guys are concerned about day three. I, I think you know there's some draft boards that look a little thin compared to where they had the last couple of years in terms of like having enough guys that, that they value at those picks. I think you can see some teams trade out of the third round, looking at next year maybe, or, or trying to move up very aggressively. I think it's going to be a lot of competition if you want to move up on day three, because I think a lot of teams are thinking the same thing there. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. I Honestly, that thought hadn't crossed my mind, but obviously it's going to I be I did there write now. about that uh, too. There's yeah. a story on, uh, on the site there. I talked with Jim Nagy about it a little bit, but uh, mm. it's an interesting part of this process. Steelers with those two fourths, I think, are in a good spot there early on day three. Somebody does want to move up. Maybe they can uh, get a pretty good haul. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, Alan, tell the people where they can find you. I already did. I'm in Washington Park yeah, there you go. in go Mobile. Uh, A. Saunders underscore PGH on Twitter. PGA Steelers now and SteelersNow.com and like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. There will be 500 interviews from the senior bowl and from the shrine bowl over the last week that get published to this channel. So make sure you hit that uh, subscribe button, get the bell for notifications and you find out every time we drop a new interview, the one with Bo Braid will be coming. The one with Peyton Wilson will be coming. And uh, a lot of these other guys, Cedric Gray, uh, you know, all, all they're all coming, and it's uh, it's gonna be a ton of football content here leading up to the draft. All right, well, the Peyton Wilson's the one that I'm looking forward to, so yeah, I got just like everybody else, I also will have my make sure that I got that bell hit so I get a notification when that's posted. If if they draft Peyton Wilson, will you get a perm instead Whatever. of instead yes. of the mustache? You could get a little perm going. Mm-hmm. I, I hope that, that be... this proves. I hope that this here right here proved to the people that there were some people in my life already that were very well aware that understand there is nothing that I won't do depending on the situation. <laughs> so absolutely. I will do whatever I have to do with my hair. If it means Peyton Wilson is going to become a stealer. All right. We'll see if we can make that happen. Like subscribe, hit that notification bell, hit us in the comments with any questions for when we come back next week, leave us a five-star review. If you're listening, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from for Alan Saunders, I'm Zachary Smith, PGH. Thanks for jumping in. Take another ride on the Steelers afternoon drive. <laughs>